Moments like this, these last two football games, being able to do what we've done, energize a city, right? Energize a, a, a town, energize fans. Uh, it's only going to make us better moving forward. And that's the part that I'm excited about. No one, no one thought we should be here. and We just kept believing. And it was really cool, really cool to be a part of. And, and it was special. And like I said, just the beginning. You know, I, I go back to April. And I, I told the team in April, I said, expect to play playoff games on the road in Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City. You know, I think that was this, this year, obviously, was huge for for this organization, for our city, for just our franchise, you know, moving forward. And, and it kind of sets the bar of, of, of who, who we're going to be and, and what we're going to do moving forward. And and that's the mindset. And, the, and we won't settle for less than that. And this this won't be this won't be the last you guys hear of us. So we'll be back. This boy got a hit. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your hosts Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E to the T. All right, good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you as the NFL Scouting Combine officially, for our purposes, got underway yesterday with Doug Peterson and Trent Balky stepping to the microphones. And I'm reminded uh, as we hear that intro, Tony, that uh, Trevor Lawrence can do a pretty damn good Travis Kelsey impersonation right there. <laughs> Nobody believed in us. Nobody gave us a chance. That is actually true mm-hmm. about the Jags for the most part last year. Uh, that's going to change. This offseason, expectations are going to rise. No doubt. And uh, you're going to see, I, I mean, I think it's going to be surprising when you don't see a pundit pick the Jaguars to win the AFC South at a minimum. Yeah. Look, uh, that's going to be the expectations that are going to be placed upon this team going into 2023, and that's good, right? The expectations rising are obviously a good thing. They didn't handle it well in 2018 as an organization. I expect it's going to be handled much better uh, with this group of guys given that the quarterback situation is settled, settled uh, here in Jacksonville for now, even if they did give Blake Bortles the extension going from 2017 to 2018, but still. Is that who I thought it was just walking past the window? I don't know. I'll I'll tell you you later. I cannot. It's a name I don't think I'm at liberty to say on the air, but it's it's interesting nonetheless. It went that away. Your peripheral is impeccable. Uh, ET, I got to ask you, because I know Tony's a lover. Okay, right. were you much of a fighter back in your school days? Like, did you get many scraps? I got into my fair share, but not really. I kind of got not that many. Yeah, like I think I can count on one hand the times I've actually gotten in a real fight, like square off with somebody, and somebody's uh-huh. gonna leave here. Well, I- I'm sure it's on one hand. You know, the question is, it? I know I can think of two of them. That might be it, honestly. Well, I was like, thinking about school, like the playground and all that. Yeah, I got into a whole bunch of Oh, those. the playground's a little bit different, okay. right? Like if you're, you know, if you're playing, somebody gives you a hard foul, shoving the chest. No, those mines were real scrap. All right, well, this, see, that's yeah. a, like, I, I think for me, you're in a different category there, right. right? You're, you're, uh, you've knuckled up a lot more than I have. All and right. and there's good reason for that. I would be like soft like a pillow and, <laughs> you know, just fold up uh, like a, a a lawn chair or something, but I told Tony, I went down the rabbit hole yesterday. Don't even know how it came across my view on Twitter, 
There's a site called Fight Haven. It's pretty popular. Yeah, you know, know. Fight Haven. It just randomly comes off comes across my Twitter. Just as well. came in like yeah. I don't know. Maybe somebody probably that I follow liked, liked something, something. Uh-huh. and that's how it popped in there. Who did I lose an afternoon? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I went home yesterday and I'm like, let me watch a couple more of these. <laughs> and because most of it, the majority, I'd say maybe like twenty uh, percent, uh, maybe a third is MMA stuff, right? And it's mm-hmm. good fights or finishes to fights and things like that. And that's cool. Right. You know, uh, I watch maybe like one out of six of those. And, but the ones I love are the ones where guy comes in and thinks he's a tough guy, bully, whatever. <laughs> right. And then some dude half his size just peppers him just like, Ta-da-ta-ta-ta-ta! and just beating on that jaw. And, uh, I mean, I, I get a lot of satisfaction from somebody's comeuppance. If I feel like they deserve it, you know right. what I mean? Right. Not like a random beatdown or anything like that. There is a whole thing tone, you know, with these clowns out here with the social media, yeah. you know, like the the sucker punch deal or the fake, su- you know, mm-hmm. they've got they've got one for everything, right? Have you seen the fake sucker punch one? Like where I guess the sucker punch thing became a thing where people would just come up and and punch random people and film it, and that's right? just crazy, just man. crazy, right? First of all, you kill somebody. <laughs> Second of all, you don't know who you're you're messing with, right? And uh, hopefully you learn quickly. Right. And but then I guess one of them, at some point people were like, "All right, not everybody is just going to randomly haul off and sock somebody." So they would like fake like they're going to punch you to get people to flinch. Yeah. Dude picked the wrong guy, man. <laughs> like right outside a grocery yeah. store. This guy made he made the guy flinch. Not everybody only flinches. And no, he, he flinched. He's like, now I'm defending myself, yeah. buddy. And there's a rat-a-tat-tat, man. So uh, there you go. Well, I've thought about it since I saw the stat doing like the – we've talked about it before on, on the show. The people who think that they could be, win a fight with this animal – Right. Yes. Like yes. this, like a barehanded fight with this animal, and there are people who were there were like eight out of a hundred people, Americans thought that they could win a fight, just a fist fight with a bear. And when <sighs> I saw it, I was like, I'm not messing with anybody in public ever again. Right. Right. You don't like, know if what they're. If they out think of they could people, beat a bear. Right. They're, they're crazy. Me. I'm dessert. Right. right. Like it's no. And, I have and, no interest in any of this. A lot of people are normal. You get hit in the face a couple times. Right. You're like, you know what? This ain't my day. I will confuse. Right. You get a crazy person. Right. And they don't care. Like, their eyeballs have hanging out, and they're yeah. still coming still for going. you. Diffuse. So. Walk away. It's not worth it. You can call me whatever names you want to. I'm not going to accidentally deal mm. with one of those eight and 100 people that think they can beat a bear. So, again, I, I'm the guy. I like to do it from the safety of my uh, desktop at home and, and view uh, these many fights that are out there. It's not like there's a new site. There's 1.5 million followers sure. uh, on Fight Haven. But I, anyway, I got sucked into that rabbit hole yesterday. I also got sucked into the Jaguar rabbit hole, which is a good thing for mm-hmm. us. All right, listen to uh, Doug Peterson and Trent Balky, both uh, their press conferences live yesterday on XL Primetime. Then went in and listened uh, to Frank's interviews with the same two gentlemen yesterday, Tony. And Coming away today, feeling like, man, I mean, look, they're making it very clear what their intention and their desire is, and it's to have Evan Ingram, Jawan Taylor, and Arden Key all back in the fold. The question is, how likely is that? Uh, Trent Balky all but said yesterday, I think he did in in some instances, uh, that if we can't get it worked out with Evan Ingram, he basically he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. He knows that. We know yeah. that. There's been some back and forth on that. I think the, the key to me is can you get that done 
by the franchise tag deadline. So with a few days left, there's still that threat to Juwan Taylor, and it is a threat that, hey, we'll franchise tag you. Yeah, I, I mean, threaten me with $18 million, right? We all say that, right? <laughs> and sure, in, in the real world, but Juwan Taylor would be looking at a contract I don't know how many millions in guaranteed money, 35 million, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe double what he's going to get. And if that's the case, like, you know, he's a young guy. Sure, he's got plenty of earning power. We know how dangerous this game is, right? One one false step and uh, your career is at least in limbo, if not in jeopardy. And, you know, so I, I think that would be nice if they could kind of use that. I And, you know, listening to all these guys, you know, Trent Balky and Doug Peterson, uh, both yesterday making it clear that they've all expressed they they want to be back. They all want to be back. Arden Key wants to be here. But, you know, as Trent Balky putting forward yesterday, uh, what do you say? There's that uh, that sweet spot, basically. There's a win-win situation win-win. for both sides. Yes, that's right? the way he we got to figure it. out what that is for each of these guys. Is there, yeah. though? Yeah. I mean, is that a little bit of wishful thinking? Is Like, if Juwan Taylor's like, well, look, if you're either going to do – like, say you're going to offer me a contract worth $13 million a year. Okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. Or you could franchise tag me for $18 million. But if there's a team out there that thinks I'm worth $16 million a year and willing to sign me to a four-year deal uh, at those kind of numbers with, like, more than double the guaranteed money I get from the franchise tag, and if you're not willing to go there, then – you know what I mean? Like, is there a win-win? Then you wouldn't consider that a win on Juwan's side. Exactly. So he wouldn't call that a win-win. But if he agreed to the deal, he would. Oh, absolutely. Right? right. Like, that's kind of the idea. We find a deal both sides can be happy with. That's that's the idea of the win-win. Right. I think Juwan Taylor, if he if he signs with the Jags, is probably going to leave some dollars on the table. Probably. You know? And, and that's, again, I would like the situation where the Jags have a little bit of leverage over Juwan. I'd love for him to be a part of the team, but I want it to make sense. And if they could get a four-year deal, let's say, done with Evan Ingram, and then you don't have to worry about that and the franchise tag is available to you, say, hey, Juwan, man, let's get this done next few days. We don't want to have to make that hard decision on you and restrict you from going into free agency when you're this close uh, for the first time in your young athletic career. Imagine being 25 years old, man, in in his position right now. The worst-case scenario is you're getting $18 million. 18.2. 18.2. Yep. That's a pretty good position to be. I think it's the worst case scenario because I think for him, he'd probably like the security of a long-term deal and the uh, the more guaranteed money that comes with it. So today, the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day, I'm going to assume, I don't know if you think in the listening audience that it's fair to assume, I think most of you do, but I'm going to say, let's assume Evan Ingram is in the fold, right? We're going to get him done. It seems certain from what I heard yesterday that he is a top priority, not that these other guys aren't, but that if push comes to shove, they're not taking away a weapon from Trevor Lawrence. They will use the franchise tag if necessary. So the question of the day today has to deal with Juwan Taylor and Arden Key. Which of these players do you think will be the Jack on the Jacksonville Jaguars opening day roster? Man, ah, I typed it wrong. I said, which of these players do you think will be the Jacksonville Jaguars opening day roster? The entire roster. Which of these guys? Uh, so, uh, fortunately, your your eyes have filled in the correct words, and hopefully you're voting appropriately. But the choices are just either key, Taylor, both, or neither. Neither. What happened to I before E except after C or when sounded like A, as in neighbor and way? Mm-hmm. about the word either or either or neither or neither? Little things get in my head. Uh, So, anyway, you can vote. If you think only Arden Key will be back, 
vote for Arden Key. If you think only Juwan Taylor will be back, vote for Taylor. If you think they'll both be back, there's an option for that. There's also an option that you don't think they'll get a deal done with either of these two players or either, whatever uh, the case may be for you um, with free agency. Coming up pretty rapidly now. Happy month of March, by the way. Mm -hmm. Rabbit, rabbit. A little late on that one, but I thought about it last night. Should I set a tweet for 12.01 (laughs) a.m.? It's not that important. It's not not that important, really. All right, so uh, let's come back. Let's hear from Trent Baalke. A little bit of what he had to say yesterday, as well as Doug Peterson. Brad Meester going to join the program uh, coming up in about 25 minutes or so. The longest tenure jag in terms of games played in franchise history. We'll catch up and find out what Brad's been up to uh, in recent days and what he thinks about the current iteration of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E.T., you can get on board on the program today at 641-1010 on the phone line. So the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Or hit us up on Twitter at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, and at IME to the T. Come on, somebody. Uh, you're back in the control room today, man. I feel like. Uh, a little boring in here. I feel like we had some good bonding going on yesterday. And shoulder I, to shoulder I, I can't knuckle up with you from a distance. I'll have to come in there on the breaks, I yeah. suppose. So, anyway, <laughs> if you want to be a part of it, you know the ways to do it. Uh, we'll recap what we heard at the combine yesterday from the head coach and general manager of your Jacksonville Jaguars and talk to one of the. Uh, better Jaguars of all time, Mr. Brad Meester, coming up later on this hour. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E.T. Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. You know, the last two years, you know, we've de- delved heavily into free agency, and we're at the point now where it's draft and develop, right? Um, we we got a nice core, a nice core of young players. Feel really good about that group with a good mix of veteran guys with a lot of experience that uh, and the whole thing for us now is about the locker room, making sure we keep the locker room where we've got it. Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Jaguars today here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I'm Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E.T. here with you. Trent Baalke laying out the offseason plan for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, retain your own as much as possible seems to be the theme of the offseason, Tony. And uh, and we all know where the focus has been. That doesn't mean, by the way, that they're not going to sign anyone from any other team. They're probably just not going the big ticket route. Although, probably not. Yep. You know, like, if you do get something done with Evan Ingram, and let's say – Optimistically, you get something done with Ingram and Key, and you're still trying to get it done with Juwan Taylor. And it, you know the, the deadline's coming up here quickly, but you've got to have that space allocated for him, right? Mm-hmm. In addition to having space allocated for Calvin Ridley to come back and join the team as well, although that wouldn't be nearly as immediate. Like you could conceivably say, hey, if we've got this allocated for Juwan Taylor. If he doesn't sign here, there's the space we're going to use to rid him. We don't have to make any other additional moves. But if you have it, so you've got the space, let's say Ridley gets reinstated quickly. And let's hope that's the case, man. Because we went back and looked at the case of Josh Gordon uh, a week or two ago. Uh, the last time he applied for reinstatement took the league about three months to rule on it. And that was about two or three weeks into the season when he finally got the ruling that he was eligible to play. So don't think, oh, they got to get it done before OTAs or they got to get it. No, they, they'll do it when they decide to. Yeah. I hope it's as quick as possible. Because what if, Tone, I'm getting sidetracked to another train of thought, but what if you get to the draft and you don't have 
clearance on Calvin Ridley. You can assume he's got to be there, but Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big risk to take as you're sitting there at number 24 and trying to decide if you need another wide receiver on this team. Uh, Sure. It goes into the plan. You've already gone through free agency at that point, right, by the time that you get to the draft. So uh, you would hope that the league gives some kind of word on what's going to happen with Calvin Ridley well before the NFL draft, but it's not impossible that – the Jags would go into the draft not knowing yet exactly what's going to happen with Calvin Ridley, which means he would have missed at least the first half of the Jaguars' offseason. They still hadn't had an opportunity to talk to him. He hadn't practiced with teammates uh, yet at that point. So, yeah, sooner rather than later is better. We all feel like eventually it's going to land on Calvin Ridley being reinstated, but the NFL works slow with these kind of things. So trying to determine exactly when that word's going to come down – uh, you're you're dealing with the machine right now, and who knows when the NFL will get through any of that work. Right, so there's that side of it, but there's also, again, the, my original point where I was trying to head to towards is if you put the money aside for Juwan Taylor, mm-hmm. and you ultimately, maybe you call it your bluff, maybe it's not a bluff, I don't know, but we ultimately decide we want to get it worked out with you, Juwan, but we're not going to spend $18.2 million. You know, here's our offer. Go see what you get. If you want to come back to us, we'll see if we can match it. If you want to be here, no state income tax. You know, So a comparable contract actually could be worth more here in Jacksonville. But whatever the case, if you put that aside, and let's say Juwan Taylor then gets a deal somewhere else, and he goes to New England, right, which is a team that is said to be potentially interested. Um, well, you've set aside a big chunk of money. Mm-hmm. You do have an in-house option to play right tackle in Walker Little. And so you're going to have some amount of money that you would have said, that's earmarked for Juwan Taylor. Do they turn around and maybe surprise us? I mean, if you have enough for Juwan Taylor, now granted you can structure the contract that the first year isn't that daunting. Sure. But if they have that money and he, for whatever combination of reasons, doesn't sign here, could we see them maybe – Pick one guy and say, this is the guy. Like a Zach Allen, like we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. And go out there and say, you know what? If we can get him at X, maybe this will be the one. It doesn't. It sounds like they're, they're conditioning people to expect not much of that to happen. Yeah. But I do wonder what happens if you've got your math all in a row and Juwan ultimately leaves and you had a placeholder amount set aside for him in the, under the salary cap. And what do you do with that? at that point in time. Yeah, and maybe, look, as we said going into this week when they finally started showing what they were going to do, right, with these restructures and the the extensions for a couple guys, that kind of thing, they got a plan. And I wouldn't be surprised if part of that plan is we're going to offer Jawan this. If he doesn't take it, then we're going to spend that money on this. Could be. Right, like that, and that's kind of what you're talking about there. And maybe that means that they'll have one kind of big-ish splash free agent, right? Uh, Because certainly Evan Ingram coming back, that's basically a free agent signing. He's a guy that you get to negotiate with now, but he's a free agent. Correct. Right? So that would be a guy coming back. Who knows what's going to happen with Arden Key ultimately when everything is said and done. I know, you know, questions are being asked and about what the Jags are going to do at running back. They got asked at the podium, both guys yesterday again. You know, are they done basically with the running back room? And both guys said no. You know, so maybe there's something else that they want to do with that room. I did think it was really interesting that Doug Peterson, 
when he was basically leaving the podium was asked about the running back thing, and he said the last thing that he said at the podium was, we really want those guys to be contributors on special Correct. teams. And I was like, ooh, Snoop is watching going, ooh. Well, you I, know, yeah. I got to figure out how to do that or, or find another I'm career. Or fighting for yeah. – or uh, maybe another team, yeah. fighting for a roster spot at the very least. Let's shelve the, the, the Peterson commentary. We'll get to him coming up an hour or two. Let's hear a couple of thoughts from Trent Baalke. Uh, basically, the main theme this offseason of trying to keep the core together. Well, again, we're trying to keep the core together. And the core is not just frontline players. It's guys at every level of the 53. Every, every guy on that team, when you're talking about 53 players, every one of those players is important. And CJ and Jamichael are two guys that are key guys in that locker room. They're key contributors, uh, not only on the, on the field, but in the community, within the, the leadership of the team. So there's a lot of things that go into that, but we're, we're glad that they're aboard for another two years and looking forward. We've, we've got a lot more work to do, as you know. Yeah, and look, you have to determine what exactly the core of the team is, right? And what does that look like? Because you got to prioritize different things. you only got so much money, even with all the cash that you can spend. Right. There's still only so much money that you can splash around. And along those kind of lines, Trent Balky was asked, what is the status right now? of whatever the negotiations are with Jawan Taylor and Evan Ingram. You know, again, I think with Jawan and Evan, I, I don't want to speak for them. Uh, they know how we feel about them, and I think we know how they feel about us. And the, the, there, there's a win-win in there somewhere. We just got to get to that. And the negotiations are ongoing, and there's something that, you know, they're not going to get finished today. Um, but we've got a nice window here before free agency start. And our goal is to try to close those deals uh, within that window. Yeah, try to close those deals, multiple deals, mm -hmm. before free agency starts. Basically in the next two weeks. You know, time will tell. But, again, with the idea that I, I think they're going to get a deal with Evan Ingram. I think Evan Ingram, at the very least, I, I don't think they're going to treat him unfairly, right? Like, I don't think they're going to try to nickel and dime him. Hey, we could just franchise tag you, so here's $6 million a year. Uh, right. Would you like that? Yeah. No. Um, I'll take the franchise tag. I don't think they want a disgruntled Evan Ingram uh, in the locker room, and I don't think that would be the path that they went down. So I think Evan's going to realize he's going to be here. He wants to be here. And if, there, if, if both sides truly want to get something done that makes sense for both sides, I think that will happen. I just have a lot of confidence. That's back up to me plus 95% mm -hmm. confidence level. So then the question becomes, can you get it done? And he did say that the franchise tag is an option with Juwan Taylor, but I feel like that's mo almost more of a, a bargaining position. Really, I just I don't see them doing the eighteen point two. But um, at one point, I'm, I'm trying to remember if it was Doug or Trent that mentioned it uh, that they've had a back and I think it was bulky, and they've had a back and forth with Ingram. Like Ingram has his representatives have had a dialogue with them to some degree, maybe like. Here's where we're coming in with our opening offer. Maybe mm -hmm. as simple as that, and, and here's your counter, and now we know what the margins are. Now we got to find what spot in the middle we can agree on. Sure. Whereas with Taylor, uh, I think it's more – it feels like it's behind the pace, right? That, you know, they haven't gotten any feedback from Jawan's side. I think they got to put – that's the thing. Get the Evan thing done – have that in your back pocket, the franchise tag, and use it to apply a little negotiating pressure. Like, hey, 
we want to have you here. We might have to go this route. We don't know what our, our options are going to be otherwise. But in the meantime, we'd really like to get a deal done. You're going to end up with a lot more guaranteed money if you go with the long-term deal, whether it's here or anywhere else. Sure. You want to be here. You're close to home. You're, you, you've got a young quarterback that you like playing with. I mean, what? why? It makes so much sense on both sides. It just comes down to, Tony, as we've talked about so many times, the value of the right tackle position versus the left tackle because when they lump them all in together on the offensive line for tag purposes, it it skews those numbers. Uh, it certainly does. And if the if Jawan Taylor was looking at the franchise tag for a right tackle, right, and that number was somewhere closer to probably $11, 12000000 million, honestly, for a franchise tag if it was just right tackles in the equation, then I don't think the Jags would be thinking real hard about it, right? It'd be, we're going to get something done with Evan Ingram, and it, we'll use the tag on Jawan, right? Like, I think that's the way that this whole thing would play out, but that's not what you got. No. Right? Everyone's lumped in, so everyone's going to get paid like a – franchise left tackle if they're going to get franchised on the offensive line and so it does complicate things and I think yeah I think there are a lot of reasons for Jawan Taylor to want to stay in Jacksonville but the the big reason to leave would be the money to see what that money is going to be I, I honestly you know, on the open I can't fault that, him. right that may over that's bigger than everything else you're talking about is going to be the money and they're probably are going to be teams that can just offer Jawan Taylor more than the Jags can afford to offer him. And okay, if you need to move on in your career because the money's better, I don't blame you at all, right? No. If that's how this whole thing plays out. I mean, that, that's out. what we all do yeah. in life. Uh, hopefully we have those opportunities, uh, probably not on the scale of Jawan Taylor, Evan Ingram, and Arden Key, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, our own. Uh, yes, we are aware, by the way, uh, for those who have asked uh, about an arrest warrant apparently being issued for Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter. Yeah. Uh, you had that fatal crash uh, in January that involved a, a football, a couple of football staff members, I think it, it was, was a uh, player. It was a player, Devin Willick, and recruiting staffer Chandler Leroy. And initially, Jalen Carter reportedly told police he was a mile behind the car yeah. when it crashed. Then he said he was trailing close enough to see the taillights, then he changed it to I was alongside the car, mm-hmm. which if the car is speeding might lead one to wonder if he was racing uh, yeah. the car and were you involved in a high-speed race that which resulted in multiple fatalities. What the warrants basically are. The warrants for his arrest are for reckless driving and racing. Correct. He denies the racing yeah. allegation, which is why I'm kind of being careful about how I'm phrasing it. But, uh, yeah, so we're aware of that. I have no idea if this will impact his draft stock. He was supposed to be speaking at the combine now. He was. Yeah, ten thirty yeah. was his. I'm gonna podium, guess that's not happening. Podium moment. I doubt that's happening. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. think that's probably an empty podium right now yeah. for him. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, I don't know if he knew this was coming out today or what the case was, but uh, no question about it. That's gonna be a big time storyline to watch. And I mean, look, Jalen Carter's not in our field of view because he's expected to be one of the first two position players taken off the board. Even if there's some teeth to this, Tony, I, I find it hard to believe he's going to go tumbling all the way through the first round, although crazy things happen from they time do. to time. Yeah. So uh, it's definitely, look, it's a story we don't know much more than we just said about, uh, but as we learn more details, we'll update you on those as they uh, become available. All right, Brad Meester is available to talk. And he was available for a lot of football games, the most ever in a Jaguar uniform for any 
single player. And uh, Brad will tell us what he has been up to since his playing days and his thoughts on the current state of affairs with Jacksonville Jaguar football. We'll do that next. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E.T. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. All Jags, all NFL. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, uh, where you been Wednesday? Tony mm-hmm. coined it. That's what we're going with. <laughs> I can't remember it uh, every week, but it's still appropriate. Uh, in recent weeks, we've had Rob Johnson, former Jaguar quarterback. Last week, James Stewart, former Jaguar running back. A little bit of a later uh, era player. Mr. Brad Meester played the most games of any player in franchise history. I guess it wasn't that much later era. Brad just stuck around for so long, he Tony. stuck around for a couple of eras. He yeah. came in in 2000 <laughs> and then uh, ended up in 11 of his, I think, 14 seasons, played all 16 games, always answering the bell, and he answered the bell once again this morning. Brad Meester, the longest-tenured Jaguar in terms of games played in the franchise's history. Kind enough to join us this morning. Brad, I'm assuming from somewhere in Iowa right now. How are you this morning, buddy? I'm doing awesome. How are you guys? Excellent. How's the hunting? What's in season in Iowa right now? <laughs> no, nothing's in season right now. Turkey season's coming real soon, though. I know that. Is that right? Okay. Uh, you know, I, I get a lot of turkeys on the golf course I play at in, like, December and January. Is that odd? Is it turkey season at the same time everywhere, or does it matter, like, what your geography is? Uh, it's, like... I don't know the exact date, but it's usually like late March here, late March, April. All right. Uh, well, that's maybe why I see them on the golf course, Brad, because nobody's shooting them at that <laughs> well, that's point. That's what in time. happens, man. They know it's not uh, season, so they're all out. And then when it turns season, they know it. They just disappear. It's turkey season anytime I go to the bowling alley, though. Oh, this <laughs> <Yeah>. guy. <laughs> Brad, uh, first of all, man, I mean, I know you've been on 1010XL many times over the years, and we always appreciate uh, your visits. How much of a, a proud achievement is it for you that you were known as a guy that just always answered the bell, that you were reliable and availability, they always say, is the best ability, and you had that in spades? Uh, well, I appreciate that, and I'm thankful, you know, that's that. I mean, I just, honestly, that was just me doing my job. I mean, uh, I wanted to be out there. I wanted to do anything I could to be out there. Um, and I guess, I don't know, I just didn't know any difference. Um, that's the way I was raised. Um, obviously grew up on a farm. I mean, we went to work every day. I mean, no matter what, uh, I had some great coaches going through that were just hard nosed, tough guys. And, um, the only thing I knew was just trying to find a way to stay out there. And, and really it was just not only staying out there, but just doing everything I could to do the bet, my best. You know what I mean? I just wanted to make everybody proud of how I played the game, whether that was on the field or off the field. And, where that was in the meetings rooms, studying and just trying to get better. It's just the way I knew it. And I, you know, I just was able to stick around for a while and stay injury free. And some of that, some of that's just luck too. Yeah. You know what I mean, there's so much that happens in those trenches that you can't control. And some of that's just, some of that's due to having got good guys around you. You know, I had some unbelievable guards and tackles beside me. You know, for a long time, I had some, a couple of the best guards right beside me, a couple of Polynesians. You know, Big Manawai and uh, Naoli doesn't get any better than that. So that that always helps, too. Brad, what was the most hurt that you had to play through uh, during your playing career, having missed so few games? Um, I mean, obviously I had to fight back on a couple of those injuries. A couple of those happened real early on. Um, so I had a broken fibula, and I pulled a bicep, a bicep tendon, um, 
training camp on both of those. Um, so I was, I wanted to get back out there. And the one of them actually, the bicep happened at the last year of one of my contracts. Um, and that's probably about the worst time it could happen. Um, and I really wanted to get back out there. So I rushed it, you know what I mean? And I did everything I could to get back out. And it worked out great. I mean, it ended up feeling fine and all that. As I got later on, obviously, things started to catch up to me. Um, back starts to bother you. Obviously, I had one ankle. I had broken a fibula years before that, but it always kind of bothered me. You know, it was just a lingering thing. Um, and then in my last couple of years, and really what probably ended it, um, I felt like I could have kept playing um, after 14. But one of the things I struggled with is my shoulders. Um, one of them just doesn't have a lot of range. Um, and it was, and it's nothing, there's the only surgery for it. The only fix for it is a replacement. Can't do that and play football. Mm. Um, and it was just, it wasn't really a pain thing. I just had a lack of, lack of range. It was arthritic, um, just from being and getting jammed all the time. So it made it, I can only lift that arm, like, well, it's hard to block guys that are old, um, when you're trying to do it with one arm, really. So I just, it, I just knew it was time then. So, are were you one of these guys, or are you one of these guys, uh, Brad? As we talk here with Brad Meester, that when you left the game, did you drop a lot of weight? Like, I'm not trying to, you know, fat shame you or anything. You know, Lyman, <laughs> Ly that's not a natural body type for a lot of people. And I've seen some guy like Don Davey was a defensive lineman here in the '90s, and he became a triathlete. Like, you wouldn't have recognized him, you know. And did did you once you got out of uh, the league, kind of settle into a, a different kind of health routine as far as that goes it's crazy like uh that one's gone up and down for me so when i got i was tired of being heavy you know what i mean and just having to constantly eat um so i got i, I dieted or whatever and started getting in shape and lost a bunch of weight you know i mean i lost 40 some pounds at least 40 50 pounds and really stayed down there for a long time now Eating habits are hard to hard to break, um, and I, as age has increased, and I'm about 45 now, uh, that weight has climbed itself back up. But I still am trying to find ways to get it back down. I just I'm not naturally was never naturally that big. It was always eating a lot, and yeah. lifting, trying to stay up there, and it's just you feel better. I mean, I when I dropped it all, I just felt better. You know, what I mean, I just bodily felt better, could move better. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, it was nice being able to go into normal stores and just buy clothes. Yeah, you know, and have clothes that fit you. It's really nice. It's a nice feeling, bro. Uh, I I I know the struggle, and I'm not anywhere near the athlete you were. So <laughs> it's it's worse for me. And I'm a, I got about ten years on you. So yeah. uh, I, the struggle is real. Uh, Brad, you're a North Iowa Athletics Hall of Famer. You're the Jags record holder for games played, as we've mentioned, lettered in four sports in high school. You accomplished a lot. Which of your career accomplishments are you most proud of in your athletic career? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, a little bit of everything. You know, I mean, I when I came out of high school, it, I think it was just trying to – I think – I'll say it this way. I think, I think it was just – I'm most proud of no matter what I faced, you know, I just kept fighting. I wanted, I wanted to be the best at, at it no matter what. And it really started when I left high school. I was undersized. I was 220, I think, when I left, 220 pounds when I left high school. And nobody wanted me. I mean, I, I wanted to go to Iowa or Iowa State. They said no. I got one offer that was Northern Iowa. 
Had they not offered that to me, I was probably going to school for farming and would have gone out and farmed just like my dad. Um, but they gave me a chance. They took a took a chance on me, and I think I was probably most proud of that. I went from 220, was able to put the weight on, started actually four years there, never missed a start. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of one of those things that the same thing happened to me when I was done with college from a smaller school. You know, it was 1AA then. It's whatever, FCS uh, now. Yeah. Um, but I was undersized. Again, I was probably 285, 290, which is not big by NFL standards. You know, I played in a smaller school. Um, when I was done with college, I was being told that I would be a late round draft pick, possibly a, you know, a free agent type of deal. But I, I got some breaks. I got to, I got to play in an all-star game, an East-West Shrine game, because somebody got hurt the week before, broke a leg or broke a bone of some type. I got invited. And I did really well. Um, I get an invite to the combine, and I grade out unbelievably well. And I'm being told after that combine that I am probably a second-round type of guy instead of a free agent. Um, and so I was blessed to get the call from Coughlin on draft day and got to go there and started from the gate. So I don't know if there's any one thing, but I think it's just you know overcoming some ops, not ops, obstacles. But just, you know, I mean, just no matter what your size, your athletic ability, just keep fighting. And I think if you, for anybody, if they just keep working and keep pushing every day, um, who knows what you can accomplish. No doubt. And, of course, Brad Meester was the second-round choice of the Jaguars in the 2000 draft, 60th overall. And, Brad, you fast-forward a number of years, and the Jags spent a second-round pick on Jawan Taylor, who is now a pending free agent. I, I presume, I, I, you know, I – from afar, I notice your your fandom. I think you follow the team relatively closely for a former player. Uh, what's your opinion on Taylor and, and, and the tackle situation they have with Cam Robinson and Walker Little if uh, Taylor is not re-signed here in Jacksonville? Well, I mean, I'd like to see uh, Taylor come back. I thought they did a, a good job uh, last year. Um, obviously, I, I watch uh, all the games on TV here, and uh, we, went to, we went to the Titans game last year at Tennessee, and we went to both the playoff games. Um, just love going to games, watching it. Um, but I thought up front they did a good job. Obviously, I think, you know, you look at this team, and one of the good things is, you know, you start to pick where you're going to fill that because we have we have a bunch of spots that are, I think are really good, Yeah. Um, which is not a bad problem. Um, but I think, obviously, I think, I don't know, I think you're always looking to maybe plug in one spot maybe if we can, try to find somebody on that line. I mean, obviously, you're always trying to uh, find ways to protect uh, Trevor. I mean, you, the more time you can give him back there, the better. Um, so um, you never know how it's going to play out. I mean, I, I'm assuming that we'll get – obviously, it depends on signing Taylor. Um, but then, obviously, you got free agency, and I suppose if we don't get somebody there, you always got the draft of some type. So, Brad, what is your favorite play from your career? My favorite play? Yeah. Uh, it's probably the, I, I'm going to have to say it's probably the catch that I got. Now I wish I would have scored. I really do. Now I, well, I'm going to put it on a couple. I mean, obviously, uh, I wish I would have scored on that play, but so thankful. Probably one of my favorite. I mean, obviously people around, you know, his family got to see that and know about it. Um, but be able to have one catch as an offensive lineman was a huge thing. Um, and then I think obviously, uh, I think I still remember that playoff game in Pittsburgh at the very end. 
Um, when David took off in that run, I think it was a draw of some type, I believe. Um, but I remember that was what sealed it right there. Um, and I think just knowing we went into Pittsburgh that time and after um, to get that playoff win was huge. And that was one of those doing the unthinkable, going into Pittsburgh uh, in a playoff game and uh, be able to get in that win. Uh, that, that's one of those that I will always remember also. What a great atmosphere that was for your team that year to become the first to ever win twice on the road in Pittsburgh. Some would claim, Brad, you might have had a grasp of somebody's jersey on that Garrard run. <laughs> I think it was a clean block, personally. I think it was... No, uh, that wasn't me, man. Don't blame me on that. It, was that, it wasn't you. Been, okay. Uh, I, I'm not going to point fingers, but there, uh, there was a claim of a holding possibility out at tackle. Um, but I'm going to say it was clean. I think oh. that was a good call. They didn't call it. <laughs> that narrows it down. Uh, <laughs> going back to the film here with Brad Meester, Mike Dempsey, and Tony Smith on Jaguars today for a couple more minutes with Brad. Um, it, what You know, Trevor Lawrence, man, it changes the whole dynamic of what this franchise's expectation can be for the next decade going forward. You played with Brunel. You pre- played with Garrard, who are considered – you played with Leftwich. I mean, th- those are the best quarterbacks in franchise history – until now, I think we all feel Trevor has a chance to be something really beyond that and special. Uh, how how great is it for the Jags to be in the position, unfortunately, you know, to earn the spot to pick him, but to have him now and what you saw from him last year, Brad, how excited should fans be? So I think fans should be extremely excited. I mean, it is hard. I mean, it is, it is hard to come by like – you know what I mean? A once-in-a-lifetime quarterback, um, a franchise quarterback, somebody that you can build your complete – there's only so many of them out there that ever come out. You know what I mean? And here's the thing. The only way to get a guy like that is, unfortunately, you got to be bad. You know what I mean? you got to be mm-hmm. number one in the draft to get it. And you got to time it out absolutely perfectly. You know what I mean? Because every year there's not a guy like Trevor that comes out. There's just not. Um to have that happen, to get him to land with us, uh, we should be extremely fortunate. I mean, he's going to be – and obviously, as you've seen, as the year went on and he starts to get comfortable back there, he was unbelievable. And I think that's going to be one of the big things. I think next year he'll be really good because I think guys, as they get comfortable in a um, in an offense and the more confidence they get, confidence they get, the better they get. You know what I mean? He's just going to – he's just going to – get to know this offense like the back of his hand and just get better and better. Um, that, that's what we've been looking for. Um, so I definitely think we'll have a guy like that. Brad, I saw getting ready to talk to you today that you lettered in four or five sports in high school, including track and field. What event or events did you compete in in track and field? I was a uh, shot. Well, this, this, funny part, shot and discus. Obviously, I did field events. Um, I did the four by eight and the fat man relay. Now <laughs> everybody would say, Oh my gosh, what's he running a four by eight for? So for us, you know, we're a small town, Iowa school. Um, our track coach was our football coach and he, it was adamant that if you weren't doing anything. You were going out for track so you could stay in shape for football. So he had a lot of the big guys run the four by eight for it. We weren't trying to win track meets by any means. Um, we were trying to stay in shape. We had the big guys run the four by eight. I ran the four by eight, got lapped every time we were awful. Um, but yeah, I ran the four by eight consistently shot and disc and a few fat man relays. 
Yeah, we're a football factory. We're not a track and field school here. No, Come no, on. No, we're not a track. We're not, a, we're not trying to win a track here. We're trying to win at football. Exactly. So, yeah. Hey, man, um, family doing well? I know you got the, the six daughters and everything good on the family home front. They're, they're awesome. They're keeping us really busy. I got uh, obviously the six girls. A lot of them are in sports. A lot of them are doing volleyball, like the travel volleyball stuff. Um, so I got one in college right now. Um, she's a junior. And then uh, I got two in high school, so I, and then all the other ones are younger. But I got three of them doing travel volleyball, so we are gone all the time. So most weekends, my wife and I are going different places. We're in you know Kansas City, St. Louis, Chicago. Um, it's kind of way that sports have kind of, high school sports have kind of gone now. There's a lot of club stuff, um, so good or bad. But yeah, there's a lot of travel. You're right about that, man. I mean, uh, a lot of specialization these days and uh, you're a good example of why maybe you should cross train run some more fat man 800s out there people come on uh exactly it. La- last thing i saw uh somebody mentioned to me that you're into motorcycles right you restore motorcycles is that correct that is correct what what is the coolest bike now i'm not a bike aficionado so it won't mean as much to me but for the people in the audience who are what is the the coolest bike you've ever had in your possession even if you don't still have it today uh I was doing a lot of like old seventies shovel heads. Um, and so I, I got one that I'm super excited. I mean, it's, it's nothing special. So it's a mid seventies shovel head, Harley Davidson shovel head. Um, nothing special, but the biggest thing I, that I love about it is I did everything on it myself. Um, completely took it down, uh, put every bolt on there, redid the motor, everything. I can say I touched everything on that bike other than painting it. Um, so super proud of that. Um, and actually now I've kind of, I just can't wanted to keep, it's like trying different stuff. Um, so now I kind of went a little bit further. I said, I've always wanted to see if I could rebuild a car completely. So my wife has given me, we've always kind of wanted a topless vehicle. Um, so now we are I'm rebuilding a mid seventies international scout. Most people probably don't know what that is, but it's like an old Ford Bronco looking vehicle. Um, that international made. Um, so I am trying to rebuild this thing as we speak from ground up myself again, other than paint. Um, but I'm gonna see if I can do it. I don't know if I can, but I just like, I just like messing with stuff and see if I can figure it out. Hey, it sounds cool to me, man. And, uh, I know a lot of people out there who are into that stuff know exactly what you're talking about. I just Googled it. Uh, international scout, kind of a, a standout look. So that'll be fun to see. You have to uh, throw some photos out there when you get that thing done eventually. Man, it's good to catch up with you, Brad. It's great to hear that you're doing as well as you are and you, like a lot of players, even though you didn't stay here, you got those roots in Iowa, uh, there's still that affinity for this franchise in this area, and we love to see that connection between all the different generations, man. So thanks for taking some time out. Give us your thoughts on the current state of affairs and uh, a little walk down memory lane as well. And uh, don't be a stranger. We love to have you back sometime uh, down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. You got it, buddy. Brad Meester, just sitting around waiting for the turkeys, Tony. Uh, you got to wait <laughs> wait just a little while longer. But yeah. uh, what a good dude, man. And uh, you know what? That's one of those, you're in the middle of it, you're like, this phone's good, about to go. Mm-hmm. And then it, it rebounded, baby, and it mm-hmm. came back. And uh, how about that? Six daughters, all of them playing on, like, travel sports all over the place. I mean, I had one son and that was a lot that was a handful for me so uh-huh. uh, kudos to brad meester that was a lot of fun where you been wednesdays with brad meester uh michael cheever 
I believe, is next uh, guest on the list, and that'll be coming up next week. All right, hour two is straight ahead. We'll hear from Doug Peterson, the head coach of your Jaguars. You want to get in and talk Jaguar football, you know the ways to do it. And, of course, we encourage you to vote in our poll today. Which of these players do you think will be on the Jags opening day roster in 2023? Arden Key, Jawan Taylor, both or neither. You can cast your vote at MD underscore 1010XL on Twitter. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. The only thing I knew was just trying to find a way to stay out there. And, and really, it was just not only staying out there, but just doing everything I could to do the best, my best. You know what I mean? I just wanted to make everybody proud of how I played the game, whether that was on the field or off the field, and whether that was in the meetings rooms, studying and just trying to get better. It's just the way I knew it. And I, you know, I just was able to stick around for a while and stay injury-free. Now, more Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, the grinder, Brad Meester, uh, joining us just uh, a few moments ago. Uh, and uh, that pretty much describes how, you know, his approach was. Tony, just show up. That's my job. I, yeah. I don't think it's anything special to play every game. I mean, it's special to be able to stay healthy as many seasons as he did. Sure. 11 out of 14 times. He, he went the distance and played all 16. But, you know, that that's from his point of view, that's what they're paying me to do. Right, so yeah. we go out there and do it. And uh, good to catch up with Brad. If you missed that or if you missed any of our interviews here on Jaguars Today or any other program, go to the on-demand section and listen. I couldn't listen to the Franchi show live yesterday, so I went back and listened to Frank sitting down with both Trent Balky and Doug Peterson. Those are available in the on-demand section on the 1010XL.com website, so check those out. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, we'll – a dip into some of Doug Peterson's comments from his press conference yesterday. Just wanted to hit a couple coming in on social media and the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Uh, Ken Cooper asks, can someone please clarify what happened between the Jaguars and Shaq Griffin? It feels like the Jags' approach to the situation has completely crushed any hope of working out some kind of a trade with another team. Uh, I, I don't think anything happened per se other than Shaq got a lot of money, mm-hmm. probably didn't, I mean, in my view, didn't play up to that level of a contract. Now, keep in mind, this was going back a couple of years when everything was brand new. He was kind of the gem of that class, right? A, a guy who had played some good football. And I don't think he's a terrible football player. Don't get no. me wrong. I just think he's outpriced right now. So I don't know what the Jags could do right now other than maybe publicly try to talk him up like, hey, you know, we, we know that Shaq's a really good player. We're looking for a way to come back. You know, financials are difficult. Meanwhile, they know that likely they're going to go the route where they can create $13 million in cap space by letting him go. Sure. And I, I don't know what the market would be. Under this contract, Tony, what are you gonna, nobody's going to take on this contract for Shaq Griffin. So I don't, I don't think it's anything that Jag's relationship. I don't think there's anything that's happened between them. I just don't think, you know, he's a guy that got overpaid, then got hurt. And Darius Williams stepped up in the latter half of the season, latter portion of the season, played well outside. And you feel like, you know what, you got a lot of money invested in him. You're going to have to pay Tyson Campbell sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, let's, we're going to roll with these guys. And we've got to, at some point, you know, we can't just restructure our way to cap solvency uh, alone. You got to release a guy or two along the way if you can pick up a big savings in uh, cap space, and uh, I think that's all it amounts to. I don't think there's any 
anything nefarious or any ill will or anything like that. No. Uh, he was a player that was brought in, as you said, the jewel of that free agent class. And, you know, he was okay at best his first year here and got hurt last year after not starting the season very well on top of that in his second year here in Jacksonville and now a team that has a lot of tough decisions that they may have to make when it comes to the salary cap. It's a pretty easy one to make when it comes to Shaq Griffin having played the way he has through his first two seasons here and carrying the cap number that he carries. When you can save $13, $14 million by letting him go, you're probably going to make that decision. Yeah, quite frankly, I think if they could get any pick for him, they'd take it. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm not sure how the trade versus release works in terms of the dead cap money. Uh, generally, though, you save – well, I shouldn't say generally. Oftentimes, you save more if you trade a guy. Um, at least you can adjust it for this year. There's plenty of savings if you let him go. I, again, it just comes down to a guy – you know, you take some swings. They don't all hit to the level you'd like mm -hmm. them to. I think that's all it amounts to. Let's get Mac on the north side up next year on Jaguars today. Good morning, Mac. How are you? Hey, fellas. How y'all doing? Excellent. Uh, um, next, next man to go in the, uh, uh, going to the uh, uh, prize Jaguars, my opinion, anyhow. Shot of a doubt, Keenan McCardell. Keenan McCardell, yeah. Uh, I, You know, a, a lot of people mentioned Brad Meester because he played the most games in franchise history. Mm -hmm. I think Keenan is a very solid choice. Uh, the guys in there now, of course, are Tony Baselli, Fred Taylor, Mark Brunell, Jimmy Smith, and then Wayne and Dolores Weaver uh, are in there as well. Uh, obviously never played. So you get the, the core four guys uh, for the Jags. And uh, why Keenan as opposed to, say, like an MJD for you, Mac? He was with Jimmy. He was with, uh, he was with uh, Mark. Okay, so he, he represents uh, a winning era of Jaguar football, I guess, right? Is yeah, that you'd put exactly. Sure. Yeah, look, I don't have a one. Maybe one day Keenan will get in there. I don't know. Tone, I, I mean, I hope it's uh, quite honestly, hope it's a little bit more exclusive than that. Yeah, you know, I, I hope I don't feel that there's shouldn't be a pressing need to every three years or whatever. I'm not saying Max said this. I'm just saying, you no. know, the, some people. Are, oh, it's about time we get another guy in the pride of the Jaguars. Ah, I think you have to treat it like your Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the way that it should be treated. And we've discussed it with the Packers and Lambeau Field before, right? You get your name on the stadium when you get elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, they have their own museum that they kind of honor and recognize their great players throughout history. And that obviously includes the guys that are Hall of Famers and all the other guys, too, that they want to make sure are remembered in Packers lore. But the guys who get their name on the stadium are the guys who get the jacket. And so I'm I'm okay with that being the kind of standard that you have is at least guys that are Hall of Fame worthy being the guys that we discuss going forward for the pride of the Jaguars. Look, if you look at McCardell, obviously Keenan was one of the better Jaguars that ever played, right? Yeah. He, played, he played six seasons here and had four 1,100-yard seasons. When 1,100, I think, meant even a little bit yeah. more than it does Great now. Great player. Really good player yeah. at the very least, right? Great in terms of the Jaguar franchise, yes, mm -hmm. but in terms of, you know, he was a one-time Pro Bowler here in Jacksonville in his first year in 96, and uh, probably should have hung on to him a while longer because he was still productive yep. in Tampa, but, you know, the salary cap comes up and gets you. 
uh, from time to time, and it worked out great for Keenan. He got to go win another ring. He's got two, right? Two rings, if I'm not mistaken. Doesn't he have one? Um, I know he's got the one in Tampa. I'm not sure. If- I thought he had one where he was on the Washington roster but didn't play that year. He was like a practice squad guy. Maybe before he went to Cleveland. That's what I thought. Maybe, maybe, I could be yeah. completely wrong about that. Um, no, yeah, he was uh, a draft pick by Washington in the 12th round in 91. So I think he does have one from that 91 season, although he never played. You know, So he got to earn the one in Tampa sure. or whatever the case may be. You know. Um, anyway, thank you, Mac. Appreciate it. Um, like, quite frankly, I don't think Brad Meester, just because of his durability, no. belongs in the pride of the Jaguars. He's a great guy, and if you want to root for him, that's fantastic, beloved in many circles. Absolutely, yeah. Right, but like, I'd be fine if the part of the Jaguars right now was the Weavers, Tony Baselli, Fred Taylor, Jimmy Smith. So would I. Right. Well, like, Mark's in there. Mark's in there. And and up until now has been the greatest quarterback in franchise history. Sure. He was a three-time Pro Bowler. Wasn't like he was chopped liver. Now, um, you know, and you know, we can debate these things. All you like. I, mm-hmm. I have nothing against Keenan. I have nothing against Brad. If the Jags one day honor these players along with MJD and, and maybe a few others along the way, so be it, man. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world. You know, it, it's it's your team. It's your uh, fandom. Feel however you like about yeah. it. Do you like seeing the names up there when you go in the stadium? That's fantastic. I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade, but I, I'm with you. I Like, to me, I want a little bit more of a – exacting standard at the top. Yeah. You know, Fred Taylor only made one Pro Bowl, but he's been a Hall of Fame semifinalist multiple times. We know how good Freddie T was. So, anyway. All right. Well, we'll come back here in a moment, and let's hear from Doug Peterson as he spoke yesterday. Hopefully, you got to hear that live here on XL Primetime as they streamed his press conference. I believe that one was at 1230 yesterday. Balky followed at 1 o'clock. We already played some of the comments of Trent Balky, so let's hear from the Jaguars head coach, Straight ahead with Tony Smith and ET. I'm Mike Dempsey. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I'm most proud of no matter what I faced, you know, I just kept fighting. I wanted I wanted to be the best at, no, at it no matter what. And it really started when I left high school. I was undersized. I was 220, I think, when I left, 220 pounds when I left high school. And nobody wanted me. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. Again, that's more from Brad Meester in hour number one. That interview will be available. If it's Is it up already on on, on demand? No, it's going to be up at 12 nah, o'clock. No, nah, dog. <laughs> it's going to uh, be up at 12 noon-ish, o'clock. Yeah, noonish. Noonish. We'll go noonish. <laughs> Check in at 12.15 and see if my man E.T. He's, he's working solo today. We appreciate your efforts, E.T. Uh, several on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. What about Tom Coughlin for the Pride of the Jaguars? Absolutely, of yeah. course. I mean, he's the next most deserving guy, in my opinion, overall. But I think, you know, you and I were just kind of focused on the player side of things. No, no question, Tom sure. deserves entry and will have entry into the pride of the Jaguars Hopefully at sooner some point. rather than later. Right. right. Uh, somebody said on the text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosures, other than owning the team, what do the Weavers do? They weren't very good owners to begin with. Definitely not on Shad's level. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. I mean, we could have had a better team in the 2000s if they just paid some more money, right? But they never used to give out second contracts worth a darn either. If you could say anything about the Weavers, you could say that they were a liability to the team Yikes. as owners. I'm going to presume you don't know the story of how the Jaguars got a franchise back in 1993 when the NFL was set to announce the cities – 
that we're going to get the next two franchises, Tony. It was uh, – who was the other one that, that came in? Uh, Carolina, Carolina, of course. Carolina. Yeah. And you Carolina had, had been announced. I think was Baltimore in it. I know St. Louis was in it because mm-hmm. the Ravens, that Cleveland hadn't moved back to Baltimore. The Colts were not there. Right. So I think Baltimore might have been there, and they didn't like a lot of the ownership groups, but they liked the cities. And as the story goes, they go to Wayne Weaver and say, "Hey, man, very impressive what you've put together. The support you've got. We think." You'd be a, a top. We want you to addition. be in the club. Be in the club. Yeah. But could you do that in St. Louis? Mm-hmm. And Shad said, "You can give me a team in Jacksonville, or I guess I won't be an owner in the yeah. National Football League." And this was—it wasn't a question of we're definitely giving you a team. So then it went back into deliberations, and he basically—I don't even know if it's not even a bluff. Like, because at yeah. that point, if they they come back and they say we're awarding the franchise to St. Louis, then you're out of luck, and you probably never have a team here. Probably not. Wayne we- without Wayne Weaver towing the line and whatever else you think about Wayne Weaver, and I don't have any bad thoughts about him. Did he have his successes and failures? Yeah. You know, was he not as liberal with the cash at times? Yeah. There were times, right? When when he wasn't, but you know, you say what did he do? And not on Shad's level. Sean Khan is 51 and 127 as an owner mm-hmm. of this franchise. Wayne Weaver was 138 and 134. He has a a plus winning record. The Jaguars will have to go undefeated for a lot of years in a row before Shad Khan catches up to 500. Yeah. I don't see how, other than falling into Trevor Lawrence, I mean, Sean's willing to spend cash. There's no question about it. But on-field results under their tenures, Wayne Weaver is so far beyond Shad Khan. If you think that you think he's not on Shad's level, it's because he's way above it. In terms of success, I mean, that's just a fact. And, you know, so I don't know, man. People forget over time or whatever they do. Um, you know, playoff record-wise, they're fairly close. Uh, and, again, they don't have – it's not like they're coaching the team, but Weaver mm-hmm. owned the team for 16 years, and the team was 5-6 and six in the playoffs, 11 playoff appearances. In Shad's 11 seasons, five playoff appearances, and they're 3-2. and two. So in terms of the playoff wins and, you know, maybe lagging a little bit behind the overall playoff appearances, but the postseason stuff is fairly close. Um, the overall mark, I mean, you know, <laughs> the Jags just had the back-to-back number one pick in the draft, home. Yeah. That's not exactly a feather in your cap as an owner, you know. And great that they had it one year when this – seemingly can't miss prospect that quarterback yeah. was available to you. It's it's a ridiculous discussion to even have, right? Like, if you don't recognize that there is no Jacksonville in the Jaguars without the Weavers. Right? No like, franchise. Right? Like, if you can't recognize that, and whatever you thought of their ownership of the team and the way that it ended and that they weren't paying everyone the big bucks to bring them back to Jacksonville, at the, especially in the last five or six years – of their time owning the team. Okay, criticize that all you want. You don't have a team to criticize without the Weavers saying, no, it's Jacksonville. Right, it, it, that, that decision was the most important decision in Jacksonville sports history. Yeah. And the most beneficial one. That Wayne Weaver stood strong. It's either Jacksonville or bust. And, hey, you know what? And maybe you're not aware of some of those details, and that's fine, you know? But, uh, yeah, Wayne Weaver, uh, I've got zero issue 
with the Weavers being up there, you know, and then they put him in. Dolores Weaver did a lot for the community and yeah. charitably and all those things. You know, it's more you're putting them in as a couple, as the first couple of ownership. I'm sure Shad Khan will be up there one day, too, and particularly if the Jags have the ultimate postseason success, uh, like we hope they will. All right, uh, before we get to a few thoughts from Doug Peterson, let's let Tony Smith take you around the National Football League. Gems around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. As we mentioned a little while ago, the Athens-Clark County Police Department has secured arrest warrants for Jalen Carter for reckless driving and racing. Carter told police that he was a mile away from the scene of an accident that resulted in the death of Georgia player Devin Willock and recruiting staffer Chandler Leroy, but later said he was close enough to see the crashing vehicle's taillights, among other things. So we'll see how that whole thing plays out. It is to misdemeanor charges, potentially for Jalen Carter, but it is not the best look as we're getting ready for the NFL draft for Mr. Carter. Free agent quarterback Derek Carr is expected to have an in-person interview with the Carolina Panthers, the New Orleans Saints, and the New York Jets. This week in Indianapolis, Tampa Bay is planning to release running back Leonard Fournette when the new league year begins on March 15th. Kansas City general manager Brett Veach said yesterday that the franchise could be franchise tag could be applied uh, to offensive tackle Orlando Brown for the second year in a row, but added that he believes the long-term deal would be more beneficial. Denver running back Javante Williams, who suffered a torn ACL in early October last year, is on track for the regular season opener, according to the Broncos. Dallas Cowboys CEO Stephen Jones said at the NFL Combine yesterday the team is interested in contract extensions with wide receiver CeeDee Lamb and cornerback Trevon Diggs. Jones also said that running back Tony Pollard and offensive line and is expected to be ready to go for training camp this year for the Cowboys. Philadelphia is promoting quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson to OC, and the team is hiring Sean Desai as their new defensive coordinator. And the NFL announced yesterday that the Cleveland Browns and New York Jets will be playing in the 2023 Hall of Fame game to kick off the preseason on Thursday, August 3rd at 8 p.m. Joe Thomas for the Browns, along with Joe Klecko and Darrell Rivas for the Jets, are three of the nine new enshrinees in Canton this year. Uh, one thing Jerry Jones also said is that there's a pretty good chance to use the franchise tag this year, right? Mm-hmm. That almost I, – I don't know if he used the word likely or not, but that's the impression I got, and not necessarily for Tony Pollard. And Tony Pollard would it'd be like ten million bucks. He's been he's a back that kind of maxed out on how much they want him to touch the football, right? They don't want yeah. him to be a three hundred and fifty touch kind of guy. The only other real candidate on that team is Dalton Schultz again, and Dalton Schultz really kind of got it back together at the end of the year. I think he had three multiple touchdown games down the stretch, including the postseason. And just the only reason I bring that up is because you know if for whatever reason you were to not get something done with Evan Ingram. That would be a guy that would be in the tight end pool in free agency that you're not, not necessarily going to be able to count on being available out there. I don't think it's going to matter to the Jags. I think the Jags know who their tight end is going to be on opening day, and his initials are Evan Ingram. Uh, so uh, let's get a few thoughts in here from Doug Peterson. Yesterday, uh, first off, just a new position to be in. How do you feel being the team to beat in the AFC South? You definitely want them to think that way, you know, Um I want them to feel that kind of pressure, you know, where you have to perform week in and week out. You know, but in, the, in this past year, we were just, um, you know, playing to win a game. 
and and then and then ultimately we find ourselves, you know, winning more games at the end of the season, putting ourselves in a position to win the AFC South. But now those are the expectations that 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 I, as the head coach, expect our football team to have, and and that'll start you know April seventeenth when we when we start our offseason program. Coach Peterson yesterday was also asked by the national NFL media, who don't get to talk to him every week like we do here in Jacksonville, about the step forward that Trevor Lawrence took in year two of his career. It's just another step in in, in the leadership role, right? You know, last year was probably about learning a new offense, learning to play this game, learning a bunch of different aspects of playing quarterback in the National Football League. We just we just build on that. That's the next step. That's the challenge for him, again, to take as great as he was and as good as he was at the end of the year, he can be better, you know, and, and that's the challenge that, that we'll have for him uh, when he gets back in in April, and, and uh, I know that'll be the, 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 the challenge that he'll put on himself to, to play and, and, and be, a, be a better, you know, uh, version of himself moving forward. Been saying it a lot. I mean, it's going to have to happen this way. The improvement from the Jaguars. The biggest chunk of it comes from the improvement of Trevor Lawrence going into year three. And I know people say, oh, the biggest jumps from year one to year two. Others will say, well, year one doesn't count. I, I think it does count. But at the same time, I could see how it was not a normal year. And I think we could expect another potentially quantum leap in the production of Trevor Lawrence this year. Let's hope that's the case. Uh, this is the theme that they've been pounding all offseason and are continuing to do so at the NFL Scouting Combine. The Jaguars are talking about the importance of keeping the core of this team together. I think it's everything. You try to keep your core together. You know, you try to sign as many of your, your free agent players as you can. You know, this business, uh, you're going to lose some. We know that. You try to sign them all uh, if you can. Um, and we've got some talented guys that, uh, you know, we'd like to, like to have back. But... Um, you know, we'll wait and see, see how the process uh, plays itself out. Um, but I think the difference, the difference for us is these are really good players that we'd like to have back. And then you build, you, you build through this process, right? You build through the draft and, and uh, just add, add depth and talent that way. All right, uh, just a few of the thoughts of Jaguar head coach Doug Peterson. Again, check out Frank Frangie's one-on-one interview with him. Yesterday, uh, he had that in Indianapolis at the scouting combine. By the way, uh, Hayes Carline will join us on Jaguars today, tomorrow, to uh, talk combine thoughts and the like and where things stand with free agency starting to creep up on us. So we'll look forward uh, to that. And we'll sprinkle in some more from Doug Peterson as we go forward as well. But uh, coming up next, we'll take a look at the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day. In poll form today, we asked you, who's back on this team? Is Arden Key back? Is Juwan Taylor back? Are they both back or neither of them back with the Jaguars, uh, we'll discuss and debate on the other side. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. You're listening to Jaguars Today with Mike Dempsey, with Tony Smith, and E.T. Come on. All right, uh, I've reached a point where i got to shut the text line down for the day. Can't deal with it anymore. Don't, cannot deal with it at this point anymore. But that's all right. We will soldier on for the next uh, 11 minutes or so of Jaguars. Today, XL Primetime will follow uh, tomorrow. Hayes Carline, more from Doug Peterson, uh, Tom McManus on Friday. But no me on Friday. So that gives you added incentive to tune in. You're going to the J-Fund uh, Wine Tasting Gala uh, tomorrow night, right, E.T.? Oh, I'm in now. You're still back here at 6 a.m. the next morning? Uh, 5 a.m. Well, yeah. 5 a.m. Yeah, 6 a.m. on the air. <laughs> yes, sir. Are you, are, will there be any sleep for you? 
Maybe a smidge. You sleep when you die. Okay. Sleep when you die. I'll, I'll be dying Friday morning. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sleeping Friday morning as well. So there you have it. All right. Uh, let's get to uh, Marshall in Springfield. Get his call in here. And then we'll take a look at the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day. Good morning, Marshall. Hey, gentlemen. Happy Wednesday. Hump day it is. Yes, sir. Uh, I just wanted to make a, a very context uh, statement, but it all involves Evan Ingram being re-signed. But I say you let Jawan Taylor walk. And I say this because we could get capital for him. But at the same time, sign a guy like Mike Jacecki that is on the open market right now, who is similar age, similar size, similar skill set as Evan Ingram. So you could run a two tight end set. Now, I know Dougie P loves it, or they say that he does, but it does impact the game where you can run screens, you can run run plays, you can run five wide receiver sets, even though they're set at the line. Because both those guys can catch passes, they can make plays, and they can block. It would open up our offense like nobody's business that they would be willing to try and go out and get a guy like Mike Jacecki. All right. Again. Uh, let, let me jump in, Marshall, because we're running short on time. Uh, a few comments here. I don't agree with everything you say here. First of all, one of the reasons Jacecki didn't play in Miami this year is because he doesn't block. Yep. I mean, that is a, a prerequisite in Mike McDaniel's offense, and he is he's another Evan Ingram. I mean, he's bigger, but he's that guy uh, in terms of being a pass-catching option. Um They'll only get something for Jawan Taylor if he walks, if they don't offset his leaving with some big money free agent deals. And Mike Kosicki played under the franchise tag, so he made $11 million last year. Now, I don't know what he's going to get on the open market, but I could imagine it's going to start in what he wants in at least the high, what would that be, uh, 10 figures, 9 figures. I don't know how many figures that is. You get the idea. Mm -hmm. uh, it'd, be, it'd be in the high, uh, pushing towards $10 million a year, mm -hmm. right? So I don't think that's a great plan. I don't think Doug Peterson set out to build an all-tight-end offense. I think Dallas Goddard was available to him. He already had Zach Ertz, and it worked out, and they didn't have a great bevy of wide receivers, Tony. If you go from Marvin Jones having 81 targets to, let's presume, Calvin Ridley healthy would get a buck 20, mm -hmm. right? Keeping in mind, Christian Kirk had 133 last year. When's the ball ever going to go to Mike Gusecki? Right. Look, Did, I didn't go to any tight end last year. You didn't have Calvin Ridley to Sure, beat. and that's the point, right? Like, I can understand last year at this time having that thought in your head of Doug Peterson needs two, three tight ends in his offense. That's what he did in Philadelphia. That's when they were their most successful. They didn't have that this year in Jacksonville. He didn't have, Evan Ingram was essentially the only pass-catching tight end in the offense. A right. couple other guys caught a handful of passes over the course of the year, but they had one guy that they featured as the receiving tight end. And this offense last year, did the offense struggle in the passing game? Did Doug Peterson struggle to get the passing game working in Jacksonville last year with only Evan Ingram as his receiving tight end? No. He did it another way. And he did what he did in Philadelphia because of what was available to him in Philadelphia. Not, this is my plan. I'm going to make these guys. Like, I have to have these guys to make my offense work. It was, this is what I can do to make these guys work in my offense. It's the way that Doug Peterson did it in Philadelphia. It's what he did last year in Jacksonville. So, the idea of Doug Peterson needing two tight ends. No, Doug Peterson can use two tight ends. 
He's shown that he's capable of doing that. And Doug Peterson can run a really good NFL offense when he only has one that is a viable receiving option and a guy like Evan Ingram. So, no, he doesn't need two. He can use two if you give him two. Uh, your, your point about letting Juwan Taylor walk may still hold. I yeah. mean, they may let him walk, uh, but I don't think it's too going to be that, hey, let's turn around and use that money on Mike Kosecki. I understand the the, the idea because we I talked about that in hour one. If you allocate money to Juwan Taylor and he doesn't stay here, what do you do with that money, right? Well, keep in mind, just one more point on this with the Doug Peterson build of his team in Philadelphia. Coming into 2017 when they won the Super Bowl, when they drafted mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz was the leading receiver at tight end at 816 yards, a leading receiver on the team. Yeah, Jordan Matthews had 804. Nobody else had more than 427 yards receiving on that team. So here you got Christian Kirk. As an 1,100-yard receiver, you're getting Calvin Ridley, who you hope is going to be one of those guys. You have Evan Ingram, who's a near 800-yard receiver. You have Zay Jones, who's got to get the ball. That doesn't include throwing the ball to your backs out of the backfield. I just don't think there are enough footballs to go around uh, to spend big money on a tight end like Kaseki. If you're going to do that on Kaseki, do it on Ingram. And, you know, you can always draft a tight end. It's a deep class. Anyway, uh, let's not get too bogged down. Appreciate the call. We're not always going to agree, and uh, it's Good to debate the various scenarios for this team. Uh, one of those, E.T., is that they're listening right now to hear today's 10-10 take. 10 take 10-10 take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10-10 take. Brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. All right, uh, we've done variations of this, usually with Ingram and Taylor in mm-hmm. our questions but uh, today's Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day which of these players do you think will be the Jacksonville Jaguars uh will be on the Jacksonville Jaguars opening day roster in 2023 Arden Key Juwan Taylor both or neither Tony how would you vote and why I would vote Arden Key the one that they bring back next year because I think the Juwan Taylor it's the money's just going to get too big Okay. Like, and the allure of being able to see what that money is going to be on the open market is going to be too much for him to pass up um, when this whole thing is all said and done. Given the limited timetable we have here, the Jags would have to figure out a long-term deal with Ingram here in the next six days to not need to use the franchise tag on right. Evan Ingram. So I, I just – it could happen that quickly, but I'm guessing that it won't happen that quickly. So my guess is Arden Key's the one that comes back. I feel like I'm on Evan Ingram alert right now. Like, I feel like it could happen any time. It could. You know, because when you get to the combine, that's when a lot of deals get done. You know, all the representatives are there. The team uh, front offices are there. Uh, E.T., how would you vote on this and why? I think I'm going Jawan Taylor. I just think that – Jawan only. Yeah, Jawan only. Um, I want to say Leon said that he, out of all of the um, O-linemen, he played the best, and you just can't – that type – the continuity that you want to bring the core guys, and I think he's a core guy, so I think it's going to be Jawan Taylor only. I, I right now, I'm going to say it's both. Okay, I think their their whole plan is those three guys, and then maybe like you know one or two low level. I mean, they obviously they re-signed guys like Hasty and Bethard. Now this is a low fifties uh, vote for me, like fifty three percent that I feel like. I, otherwise, I'd probably vote with Tony. That would be Arden Key. I mean, it's all laid out. We know what's got to happen. And I do feel that if Juwan Taylor makes it to free agency, the chances of him coming back go way, way down, right? And uh, that may be the case. But that's why I'm I'm so much on Evan Ingram. Watch as we talked about in the first hour. If you get the deal done with Evan Ingram, 
and you say, hey, Juwan, you know, I know there's a lot to happen in the next week, but get our deal done with Evan Ingram. Look, buddy, we don't want to franchise tag you, but we don't want to lose you. What, what's the number? Can we not agree on a number here? And use that kind of like in the back of his mind, like, dang it, I may not get to unrestricted free agency. I think if he knows that they can't use the franchise tag, like they apply it to Evan Ingram, then that last week before free agency, you're not going to see any movement, mm-hmm. and then he's probably gone. But I do feel like it's so much what they talk about the plan. We have ways to do it. We are open to using the tag on Taylor, although that could be a bluff. Um Right now, and it may just be recency by Stone, that I heard these guys talking about him yesterday. They're hoping to keep it all back together. We know Trevor Lawrence wants him back. There are a lot of reasons why Juwan Taylor wants to be back here as well, and that's important as well. They said that all three of those guys, key included, have reciprocated their interest. Yes, we want to be here. We're yeah. not stupid. We're not going to play for $500 here, right? Mm-hmm. But as long as you're making a reasonably competitive offer. I'm not saying we're leaving a bunch of money on the table, but can we find a structure that you don't have to uproot yourself, you don't have to uproot your life, you can continue to play with an ascending team, an ascending franchise. I'm choosing to be an optimist today and going with both. Um, Your vote is in the majority, or at least the the plurality. Uh, 48.6% is the most of any one option just that Arden Key will be retained by the Jaguars both is next so the majority of people over 70 about 75 percent feel that Key will be back when you combine the two but 26.6 say it'll be both Key and Taylor back then it's Jawan um on his own at 14 percent and neither Key nor Taylor at 11.1 percent that would surprise me with the amount of cap space yeah that they've already been able to open up. What was it yesterday? $26 million on the restructures mm-hmm. that they got. Plus, you got the 10 from the foyer Lewican restructure previously. We know they can release Shaq and pick up another $13 million. Uh, there could be, you know, they restructured Roy Robertson Harris, but as I said yesterday, I'm counting that as an offset to whatever you got to pay CJ Beathard and uh, J- Michael Hasty. So I, I think there's the cap space to do both. If they're both amenable to, you know, what you're looking to pay. I think if what the Jags think is a reasonable amount, they've budgeted enough for both of those guys. Yeah. So if one of them, particularly if Taylor says, hey, you know what? You're not going to franchise tag me. You did it to Evan Ingram. We know they're not franchising Arden Key. I'm going to hear what they have to say in free agency. I think they step it up maybe to make sure that Arden Key doesn't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And they, they try to, if they feel like maybe he's slipping away, Taylor – that may be key they focus on a little bit more. So I'm pretty confident that they'll get at least one of those guys done. Yeah. And uh, I think if they had to choose, boy, if they had to choose, it's tough, right? I think if they had to choose, they'd choose Taylor. I think they would too. Yeah. And and it's it's you look at it like, man, you got Walker Little there. What do you have in terms of pass rush? Not a whole lot. But yep. Juwan Taylor would be an every down, every week starter. Who And he's always been that, right? He's always been mm-hmm. Mr. Durability, much like Brad Meester was in his time here. That's been a, a great uh, trait for Jawan, yeah. and still Arden Key is likely to be mostly just a sub-package guy. Yeah, I think it's, you know, obviously you have five starting offensive linemen. Those are your starting linemen, right? Like it's easy to figure out these guys are going to play 100% of the snaps on offense if, if any of them don't get hurt in a game. I think defensive line is more complicated to figure out the math with it. Right, because nobody plays 100% of the snaps. So you look at it basically, I think, from a 
staff perspective saying we have six or seven, whatever the number is, those are our starters on the defensive line, right? I think that's more the way that they handle it is we need that group to be five, six, whatever deep. And I think Arden Key is important when you start thinking about it like that, that it needs to be five or six. He's an important fifth guy. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it as well. Uh, we'll continue to discuss and debate as the offseason moves along. Franchise tag deadline coming up next week. So we'll at least have a little bit clearer picture by yeah. then of uh, what the Jags uh, – we know what the plan is, but how far along they are in accomplishing that. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. Uh, right now, though, it's time to cede our time to XL Primetime. Hello. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL talking with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Oh, Matt Hayes. Good morning, fellas. How are things? Doing great. All right. Uh, what's cooking? What, what did you, what's your major takeaway, if anything, from, actually, I know what it was, I think, because I heard you say it, and I agreed with you, like, Hey, we're burying the lead, guys. I mean, they, you know, the the Jawan Taylor. They're trying thing. to sign him. Like they're really, and and it sounded like not only are they trying, we know they want to sign him, but I, I they're expressing a lot of optimism that it's going to get done. Now they can't be a hundred percent sure. And my thing is, man, if you could get Evan Ingram done like today, and you could go to Jawan's camp and go, look, man, hate hate to do it. We don't want to franchise tag you, right. but you know, th so that puts the pressure on to. Maybe, you know, take a less lesser deal in terms of average annual but a lot more guaranteed money and uh, not ever let him see free agency. Yeah, I mean, it's – I think it's clear what they want to do right now is protect their most valuable investment, which clearly is Trevor Lawrence. Sure, and give and, him weapons, those give, two things. And give him weapons. You're, you're adding Ridley. I mean, you're keeping the, your right tackle. No you're matter keeping what, Ingram. No matter, no matter what's going on with Cam, who knows how Cam will progress. You've still got a guy who played really well down the stretch – who could play either side, so you're still good there at tackle, right? And then what do you do in the draft? Do you Does that then allow you to focus on defense, to get a corner, to get an edge rusher? Depends on what's there, but yeah, yeah. certainly. I mean, you'd like to have to go in not feeling like you have too many obvious holes right. that you've got to fill. Um, what do you guys have cooking today? So we'll, obviously we'll talk combine. We're also going to talk about Jalen Carter Woo. and the mess that's going on there at Georgia. Just a tragic Tragic situation all around. It all really around. is, right? Let's not forget, two people lost their lives yes. in that, and it's not about yes. Jalen Carter's draft stock, but the lying to the police about it, and uh, you know they you know, multiple times apparently because they he still said that he said he was a mile behind the car, then he was close enough to see the taillights, and he was right beside it, but he wasn't racing on uh, what has been described as basically a two lane road, uh, you know, with some turn lanes, and the, in their their arrest warrant they talked about, you know. There's evidence that they were switching lanes, going the wrong way. They're clearly racing, according right. to the authorities. Right. And, you know, it's one – we've all done dumb things, Matt. And I look back sometimes and I go, man, I'm so – you know, I did stupid stuff. I've never done that. Well – I've done dumb things, but I've never done that. And, I, and we were just talking about this in our pre-show meeting. I also would never have left the scene and come back to – Oh, well, that's players. a whole other issue, right? right? I mean, but I, I count myself fortunate that when I was young and dumb – that I didn't, you know, that it didn't end in tragedy right, from yeah, time right, to time. Because right. we all, you know, do things. No matter if you did exactly that, you probably did something that you were like, whew, man, got away with that, yeah, right? So, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not crushing the guy. Like, we've all done some boneheaded things. But, like you said, you can't leave the scene. You can't lie about an accident with fatalities. and Which, if you're a franchise, you start to think, all right, does this, does this affect the way you look at him? Well, I mean, Todd McShay brought up, 
Character, character concerns, yeah. right? And, and a lot of people were like, hey, McShay, shut the hell up. You don't know what you're talking about. And somebody pointed out on the text line, maybe he did know what he was talking about. I don't know if it was this specifically and how much info could he have had on this. You know what I mean? Like, did they know? Did the Georgia people know? That's another question. What did Georgia know? When do they know? Oh, uh, boy. Uh, we'll be listening uh, to hear you guys discuss that one today. Uh, Matt, have a good show. Bye, boys. All right, there you go. Matt Hayes uh, coming in in the next few minutes with Mia O'Brien, Joe Coward, and Big Surce here on XL Primetime. That'll do it for us today. Thanks to Brad Meester for stopping by. Where you been Wednesdays with Brad Meester today? Michael Cheever next week. Man, it has been forever since I've <laughs> talked to Michael Cheever. I mean, I had to be in that locker room back in the 90s, and, and uh, I honestly haven't – no, I haven't had him on any show since then. Right, yeah. So uh, that'll be fun to catch up with him and more to come as the offseason continues to play out. So uh, for Tony Smith and E.T., I'm Mike Dempsey. Thanks for listening today, and do stick around for XL Primetime. Coming up next here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.